we've come to the end of this sermon series in Ruth. What a, what a beautiful story. What a, what a beautiful journey it's been to go through Ruth. And uh, hopefully uh, you've uh, really valued that um, going through this book. Uh, if you missed any sermons along the way, that all our sermons are on YouTube or online, um, proclaim.org.au, uh, and you can find a sermons tab there. They're all there. Uh, so if you missed any, you can catch up at any time. But uh, yeah, it's been really beautiful just going through this book chapter by chapter and see the riches of God's grace really come alive. Um, this book has so many themes in it, but we've been looking in particular for three themes, um, mercy, providence, and redemption. Uh, and the end of the story shows us actually all these three things coming closely together. Uh, last week, Sam Creek was here and uh, led us through one of the high points of the book, the swapping of the sandals. Uh, which is a fun little thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, Boaz seals the deal and makes himself the redeemer of the story, not the other guy. Uh, and Sam shows us that Jesus provides us the sandal of redemption as well. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I mentioned <clears throat> that uh, you can tell the great stories from the good stories, I think, a mile away, uh, particularly because of what they teach you along the journey. Uh, and now I want to add to that. I want to say that great stories don't just finish with one high point. I think great stories finish with multiple high points. And that's, that's how Ruth finishes, really. There's just uh, there's a high point, and then there's another high point, and another high point, and it just keeps going and going and going all the way to the end. There's uh, the classic high point story of Ruth and Boaz. Um, you know, we've been following them very closely since chapter 2. Uh, with their marriage, and we finally see that today. Verse 13, it's, it's finally happening. And as uh, each chapter unfolds, we continue to learn more and more from their story, from Ruth and Boaz. Uh, this doesn't end today. There's more for us to see from them as well. Uh, but particularly, there's more to learn from Naomi uh, that also ends on a high point. Uh, and there's the stories of the people down the line who are mentioned, you know, past people. Present people, future people, and the high point of that last word being David, which we'll get to as well. Um, but what I hope we see more clearly than ever is that as we finish the book of Ruth, we ought to see time and time again that God is such a good God, that, uh, that he's working behind the scenes. That's the providence we've been talking about. In the day-to-day, -day, in the ordinary things of life, he's working behind the scenes and he's planning redemption through them. Uh, we mentioned uh, quite a lot of times that the hero of the story, the main character of the story, is actually not Ruth or Boaz uh, or Naomi. It's God. He's the hero of the story. And, and his work, I hope, is so clearly seen for everyone. Uh, in the whole of the book of Ruth, there's always this threat. There's two threats, actually, I think. Uh, the first threat is security. I think um, that in our life, this is something that we all want. We all desire security in our lives. Uh, I think a natural question we have is, can we actually survive in this life? Can we thrive in this life with what we have? Uh, a desire we have is we want to be able to survive and thrive in all the areas of our lives. And I think Ruth shows us that security is actually quite fragile. Because Naomi and Ruth, at the beginning of the story, they lose their security. They lose it in the form of their husbands. And for Naomi, she loses her sons as well. Ruth chooses to follow Naomi 
which is the insecure choice. Uh, she returns to Bethlehem with nothing. And Ruth has to go and glean as a widow, as a foreigner, so that she and Naomi can have food. Security is fragile. And often our security is fragile too. I think particularly in the time we live, we feel our security threatened. You know, who's, who's feeling comfortable with the everyday cost of living right now? No one. <laughs> Who, who's happy paying close to $2 a litre for fuel? I'm not. <laughs> I certainly feel it every time I go there. Um, who feels the belt tightening when you feel another interest rate rise in the mortgage? Uh, and often we feel that if something goes just a little bit wrong, maybe we could lose the security that we have. So security is under threat in the book of Ruth. And the second threat in, in the book of Ruth is significance. Naomi and Ruth's significance question is, do I count? Do I matter? Uh, in the Old Testament, your significance was largely tied up in two places, uh, your property and your name. And so significance for a woman was dangerously lost if she lost her husband and her kids because women weren't allowed to own property in Old Testament times. <coughs> so we need to know that when Naomi loses all the men in her life, she's at threat of losing not just her land, but also her name. Losing her significance is under threat because if someone takes the land and, and doesn't redeem Naomi's story, Elimelech's line, that name is gone for good for both Naomi and Ruth. And I think that, that we have a longing for significance. You know, we have the same questions. Does my life count for anything? Uh, do I matter? Do, do, am I making a difference in this world? We, we all do want to make a difference in this world. And so it might seem foreign to think to us, why would it matter that Naomi's family name carries on? But it's her question of significance. Does she matter? It falls into place for us when we understand Naomi wants hers and Ruth's lives to count for something. She wants their lives to matter. We want to make a difference in this world. We, we don't want to be forgotten. And so in finishing the story of Ruth today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see God's redemption story in Ruth and Naomi's life, in their security and in their significance. And he does so, the, the same three themes that we've been looking at the whole way, by his mercy, by his providence, and by his redemption. So we're going to get into it. We're going to start at verse 13. So have a look at verse 13. I want to read this out. So Boaz took Ruth. And she became his wife. He went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Here is security and significance in one hit. Man, what an ending. This is the high point we've been waiting for. We, we've just got a wedding and a baby. Uh, Boaz and Ruth just got straight to it uh, and they've got a baby on the way as well. Finally, redemption has been purchased and they've got a baby. Look how far Ruth has come. Like, think about her story. Look at the security and the significance that she's found in her life. Who was she? She was a widow and a Moabite. In chapter 1, she gives up her home, her religion, her family ties. She comes to Bethlehem to serve Yahweh with no security and no significance. 
And then in chapters 1 and 2, even when she got to Bethlehem, people were unkind to her. She's repeatedly called by others and the, the author a Moabite. It's, it's like an insult. Another way of saying that stranger, that foreigner. In chapter 3, she calls Boaz, uh, sorry, she says to Boaz, I'm your servant. She sees her, her significance as so small. But now in God's providence, in God working through the ordinary and the day-to-day, working behind the scenes, God has made Ruth's name Ruth. It might just be a small detail that you miss, but her name is no longer the Moabite or the servant or the slave or the foreigner. Her name is Ruth, the wife of Boaz. She's come a long way. And now she has significance. Remember when she was married to Marlon? They couldn't have a child. So Ruth was widowed, no child, but now redeemed, and she has a son. And now she can, now she can carry on her husband's name, Marlon's name, and, and Naomi's uh, husband's name, Elimelech. They, they can carry on this name. And take notice how these uh, things have been met. It's in verse 30. It was the Lord who gave. It was the Lord who provided because God didn't forget about Naomi or Ruth. He kept providing and he is providing for them. And then something strange happens in our text. Boaz and Ruth, um, which seem to be the ones that we're following the whole time, are just sidelined. They're just put to the side and we move on to Naomi. Now, I actually think um, from a literary standpoint, this makes a lot of sense because we started with Naomi. And now we're going to finish with Naomi and we're going to see uh, how Naomi's story goes. But have a look at verses 14 and 15, and that's what we're going to look at right now. And, and as we do, I want you to ask yourself, how come the congratulations for the baby go to Naomi, not Ruth? I mean, any mother here would have an issue with that, right? Like you've got the baby out of your out of yourself, you've, you've created this human. And then Naomi gets all the praise. Uh, so ask yourself that question. Why is it that Naomi gets the congratulations, not Ruth? Uh, a short answer, I think, is that even though it's not said, Ruth would have got the congratulations, right? Um, but why is it Naomi named, not Ruth? The answer to this, I think, is quite remarkable. And the women of the town give us the answer. So look at verse 14. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. Here's Naomi in the company of women, which is exactly the way that she returned. You remember when she came back to Bethlehem? She was greeted by the women, and we finished the story, and she's in the company of the same women you have your Bible open, flick back to it. Look at chapter 1, verse 19. It's on page 222. Um, after being away for 10 years, Naomi returns home and the women say, is this Naomi? Is this pleasant Naomi that we used to know? Is this the same Naomi that left 10 years ago? Uh, and in chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Don't call me pleasant. That's what her name means. Call me Mara, which means bitter. 
because the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. When Naomi first entered town, the women saw her bitterness. How could this be, this sweet and pleasant Naomi that, that left 10 years ago? We finish Naomi's story where it began and she, uh, where she returned to Bethlehem. She's in the same spot with the same women. But the change is transformation. We're meant to notice verse 14. So look again at chapter 4, verse 14. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord. The Lord has not left you this day without a redeemer. This is the same Naomi who once said, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. But now she has a child in her arms. And that's why the congratulations of the birth of the, of the child go to Naomi, not Ruth, because the Lord has not just redeemed Ruth. The Lord has redeemed Naomi. And again, look at verse 14, just the last half. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. Have a stop and think for a moment. This is a prayer over Naomi's life. What is in the prayer? What is actually being prayed for? The women seem to be praying that the child will have a name. See that significance, the security question being answered that the child would have a name, and not just a name, a famous name, a renowned name, so a known name. So I think this is worth exploring. Let's, go to, let's explore this. The prayer for a name is part of the significance question for Naomi. And in fact, this prayer for a name was given to Ruth in chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, this is what it says. All the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses May the Lord make the woman who is coming into Boaz's house, so Ruth, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and renowned in Bethlehem. Part of how God restores Ruth and Naomi is that they re he redeems their search for a name. In other words, he's redeeming their significance. And it's worth looking quickly at how the redemption of Ruth and Naomi's name works out in the story. So think back again to chapter 3, um, when Boaz promises Ruth that he will redeem her if the other redeemer doesn't. We need to understand in full what Boaz is actually saying there. Here's what Boaz is promising. He's promising Ruth that the name of Elimelech's line will be preserved, not his. He's promising that Marlon's name will be preserved, not Boaz's. He's promising that the land will stay not under Boaz's name, but under Naomi's name, which is the, the male name, right? So Elimelech, Marlon. So in effect, what Boaz is promising Ruth and Naomi is that he's going to restore their significance. And by the way, Ruth's significance can't be understated. Uh, in a culture that valued women pretty much as just childbearers and, you know, the best children were the, the men. That was the way of the culture. Have a look at verse 15. Uh, Your daughter-in-law is more to you, Naomi, than seven sons. That's a, that's a big statement. For a culture who is all about sons, this significance statement is massive. 
It's basically saying, Naomi, what you have in Ruth, um, all the baby boys in the world couldn't measure up to what you've got standing beside you. But Ruth's significance could disappear so quickly. And Ruth's significance will be restored, but there was threat of it all going horribly wrong. We saw this last week. We saw another redeemer, the one that Boaz deals with at the beginning of chapter 4. Um, by chance, meaning that you know God's providence is happening in action, uh, the redeemer walks by and Boaz kind of shouts at him, hey, come over here. Um, I've also got 10 elders on hand, so let's, let's have a bit of a, the talk. Uh, and Boaz says, um, you know, this, this woman, Naomi, she's distantly related to you and uh, she's come back and her land can be bought. So you could be the person to buy that land, Redeemer. Think about this in terms of security and significance for the Redeemer. The Redeemer can buy this land, simple as that, and it becomes his. And that's how Boaz sells it to him. It's all yours. And the Redeemer's like, well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't take some land? I'll buy that. Because in terms of security and significance, this expands his kingdom. It expands his wealth and his name. But then, of course, Boaz gives the fine print. Oh, by the way, you're going to have to marry Ruth. And now again, think about this in terms of security and significance. If the Redeemer marries Ruth and he and Ruth have a son, he doesn't get anything. The son gets it. The son gets it all, and all he's left with is to look after and provide for the family. In terms of security and significance in this story, it's too hard for him. It's too risky. He even says it in verse 6, I can't do this. I can't redeem it, lest I impair my own inheritance. He's crunched the numbers. This is too much. This redemption is too costly. It's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt his fame and his wealth and his estate and his name, he won't do this for Naomi. Why? He wanted to protect his name. He wanted to protect his security. He wanted to protect his significance. I wonder if you can see where I'm going with this. Boaz just does it. Boaz doesn't care about those things at all. He just does it. He puts his fame and wealth and estate and name on the line for Ruth and Naomi. Uh, look at chapter 4, verse 10. Boaz says, Ruth the Moabite I have bought to be my, my wife to perpetuate the name. Take note, whose name? To perpetuate the name of Boaz? No. To perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place to protect Ruth and Naomi's name. This is the providence of God right here. Working in the ordinary. That a man would be found to redeem Naomi and Ruth by protecting their significance, protecting their name, and losing his own name. This was the kindness of God, the mercy of God working through Boaz to redeem Ruth and Naomi. And the complete irony of all of this is that the Redeemer who wanted to build and protect his own name is nameless. Isn't that funny? 
the, the, the person who wanted to protect his name, his wealth, his power, is nameless. His name is gone. We don't know who he is. But the one who becomes renowned and the one we know of is Boaz because he was willing to redeem the name of Naomi and Ruth. He was willing to lose his name to secure their name, to secure a future for a Moabite, someone who was considered by everyone as less than himself. Does that remind you of someone? Jesus, the name above all names. That in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is given the name Jesus because he will save people from sin. The name above all names who sat down and hung out with sinners, who restored prostitutes, who, who touched unclean people. The name above all names that told his disciples that he would be spit on and mocked in Mark's gospel, that he would go to the cross and die, that he would lose his name, his reputation, that he would go to the cross and, and on the cross make that great exchange, swapping out his name and his life for our names and our lives so that we wouldn't lose our names and that our names would be restored that same name that is above every name, the same name that we're baptized in. We're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That name restored and redeemed to us that we could be called God's children, daughters and sons of God. Boaz's action of losing his name for the sake of Ruth and Naomi shows us a glimpse of Jesus dying on a cross and giving his name for yours. Swapping that out and giving you the title of a son and daughter of God. Boaz does all of this hanging out at the city gate. He makes all this happen outside, hanging outside the city gate, redeeming Ruth and Naomi. And Jesus does this by being hung outside the city gate. At the place of the skull, Golgotha, where he's publicly crucified, uh, legally in the sight of God, taking your place so that when you suffer and feel lost and you can't see your significance and security, that you'll remember that you have a name and that you'll know it. Daughter of God, son of God. Your name is significant. And it is so secure because it's been redeemed and restored through the blood of Jesus. You could just imagine, couldn't you, people saying out loud, like, Boaz, why would you want to do this? <laughs> uh, why marry and redeem Ruth? And you could imagine him saying, well, they have significance. Naomi and Ruth's name was about to leave history, and I wasn't happy with that. I'd rather my name leave history than theirs. And we, we should ask Jesus, why, why redeem people by dying on a cross? And he has said, because I see you, because I don't want your life to end, because I, want, I love you and I want you and I want you to be with me and remain with me forever. That is how significant the mercy is in this story. 
That's how significant the providence of God is in this story. That's how significant redemption is in the story. We too should cry out, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Because God has not forgotten you and he has not forgotten Naomi or Ruth. The boy she holds in verse 16 shows us this. She's gone from emptiness to fullness. She sits at the end of the story by the city gate. She started there empty at the return journey, but she finishes in the same spot with a son in her arms, not empty anymore, but looking at her security and her significance. Now, Naomi's gone through a lot. Does that mean the pain has just instantly left her? Of course not. There is pain in her life that will never leave. They've both lost in the story, Ruth and Naomi. There's deep sorrow in the story because to live in the world is to live in joy and sorrow. But in our joy, and especially in our sorrows, we don't have to live without hope. Because even in the book of Ruth, there is so much hope, and it finishes with hope. Literally, the last word that we get is hope. It's the word David. This was supposed to show us that the story's not over. You know, the, the baby boy whose name was Obed wasn't the end of the story. To Ruth, a childless widow, God provided security and significance. To Naomi, a bitter widow, God provided security and significance. And through Obed, whose name means servant of Yahweh, God is going to provide security and significance through the birth of a king, King David who will lead Israel and is known as the greatest king in Israel's history. With the word David comes a promise of a future and a throne that will never end, where David will sit, but more importantly, where Jesus will sit. There are no coincidences in this story, are there? Remember the main character of the story? Not Boaz, not Ruth, not Naomi. God. And we finish the story with names. Past names, um, you know, uh, names uh, from the past that we've seen from Genesis to this point. Uh, we see present names and we see future names. Past names that remind us that God has worked to gather all things for good. Present names that show us that God is working all things for good. And future names that will show us that God will keep working things together for good in his mercy and providence and redemption. And further than King David, in the same line, of course, is another king. We know this king. King Jesus, whose name also was Emmanuel. God with us. God has not forgotten us. He is with us. In Jesus, where the ultimate significance and security is found, where we find a name, where we find mercy, where we find providence and redemption. And in response to this whole book of Ruth, I, I hope your heart is like mine. I, my heart just wants to sing. I, I just want to sing to the name above all names. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing. We're going to stand and sing now, and then we're going to pray through the book of Ruth after we've sung. 
Um, this song is going to be our offertory song, thanks to those who have already given. Uh, and, and if you want to give uh, as the bowls pass around, I invite you to do so. Why don't we sing in response uh, to what we've heard? Sing to our glorious and powerful and holy God who has rescued us, who gives us security and significance, who gives us a name as daughters and sons of the Father, who shows us mercy, who shows us providence and shows us redemption through his son, Jesus. And then after we sing, I'm going to pray. So let's sing.